Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. Today, we're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry, along with some of our own considerations. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, please enjoy today's program. We have all experienced the feeling that we must never have been saved the way we fail and fall away from the Lord and His grace at times. This is a common experience to all who desire to follow the Lord. But when we fall... God's provision and his desire to restore us is a much different path than the one we pave for ourselves. We'll look at this on today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry, and Gary Kaiser has returned for a very comprehensive and profound life study from the book of Hebrews. Gary, welcome back. Thank you. Our first section is going to touch a frequently misunderstood passage from Hebrews, as much of this book is often misunderstood, maybe you could read these verses for our listeners to bring them up to date and set the stage for where we'll be today, Gary. Okay, Matt, we'll read from uh, Hebrews chapter 6. This will be the first eight verses, and then we'll go from 17 to 20 after that, beginning with Hebrews 6.1. Therefore, leaving the word of the beginning of Christ, let us be brought on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith in God, of teaching of baptisms and of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead and of the eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and of the powers of the age to come, and yet have fallen away to renew themselves again unto repentance, crucifying again for themselves the Son of God, and putting him to an open shame. For the earth which drinks the rain which often comes upon it and produces vegetation suitable for those for whose sake it also it is cultivated, partakes of blessing from God. But if it brings forth thorns and thistles, it is disapproved and near a curse, whose end is to be burned. Then we'll skip down to verse 17. Therefore God, intending to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his counsel, interposed with an oath, in order that by two unchangeable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we may have strong encouragement, we who have fled for refuge, to lay hold of the hope set before us, which we have as an anchor of the soul, both secure and firm and which enters within the veil, where the forerunner Jesus has entered for us, 
having become forever a high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek. Thanks, Gary. That's a passage that we have said is often misunderstood. I believe there's a very promising light at the end of the tunnel of today's program. Stay with us now with the life study of Hebrews. Let's join Witness Lee. This book is a book on maturity. The Hebrews, they have started their Christian life, but due to their staggering, they got stuck. They just couldn't go on because they were wandering in their mind. They had to go on to reach something farther, or they had to go back. At this very point, this book was written to them to encourage them just to go on. To go on means you don't need to have another new start. This is all contradictory to our natural concept. Nearly all of us would always spend 100 days to consider about our environment, how about the future, and what about the past. Yet, we would not spend one hour to take one step to go up. Don't consider for one minute. Don't consider for one second. Go up. Whether you are wrong, you are right, go on. To consider, according to Hebrew 6, in principle, is just to lay another foundation. We are now building a hall on Bow Road. The architect, all the engineers, will go there to lay the foundation. Right after they will have laid the foundation, they will get some frustration. So they stop. And then after a short time, they do the work again. They say, okay, as we stop, now we need a new start. We lay the foundation again. Eventually, we could only see foundations. We see no walls. We see no roofs. We see no building. In the early 10 years, I did a lot, a lot of foundation work. I laid probably more than 30 foundations. I was revived for some time. Then, sooner or later, this human stirring up would go down. Then, after I got another stirring up, I went back to the very beginning to repent again, to make confession again. This renewing of repenting to yourself is to lay the foundation again. Eventually, I got tired of that. I just didn't know what to do. It was by one day understanding this chapter, I got to realize it was stupid. You just forget about to lay the foundation again. At this moment, go on. Just go on. Don't ask, shall the Lord forgive me? Go on. Whether he will forgive you, he will not forgive you. Go to the goal. Gary, there was an experience described here that I think nearly all genuine Christians can relate all too well to. After a time of spiritual coldness, deadness, or even 
total backsliding, I think we normally have an overwhelming urge to want to rebuild our entire Christian life from scratch. But the Lord's way is not that way, is it? No. The message from the Word of God in Hebrews 6 is simply, let's be brought on to maturity. If we will seriously receive and practice this Word, it will save us a lot of wasted time worrying over our failures. The illustration of a person running the race, going back to start again as a help. Forget it. Get over it. There's a need for us to realize we fell down, get up and run. Don't go back and try to start the race again. So it's a matter for us to realize that right now, the Lord is ready for us to go on. We just need to hear his voice. I'm reminded of the portion in chapter 3 that told us there that today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. And our tendency is to harden our heart by spending our time worrying about what might be rather than just taking care of what is and go on with the Lord. So as long as we're here, it should be called today. Amen. Run the race. Enter into Christ. Join him in his purpose and pleasure. Yes, we fail. We do get distracted. We're guilty of sin. We're offended or we've offended. Jesus died for sinners. Repent for the current sin, but don't go back to the sins already removed. Forget about it. Run the race. Amen. Gary, I think we can relate to what you described. When we've gone through or are going through the experience like that, we may think, well, my problem is I just didn't get it right the first time. But really, it's a symptom of another kind, isn't it? Absolutely. Our beginning was firm. We were enlightened. We were partakers. We tasted the Word of God. Now, let's be brought on to maturity. Amen. Gary, let's go back to Witness Lee for more of this life study. To go on is to leave something. Here the says, leaving the word of the beginning of Christ, leaving the foundation stage, leaving the milk stage, leaving the baby stage. Don't lay the foundation again. Many Christians misunderstand this portion of the word. They say, look, look, Hebrew 6 says, after you touch the Lord, if you sin again, it is impossible for you to repent and to get yourself forgiven. It doesn't mean it is impossible for these kind of Christians to be forgiven if they sin. It means for these kind of Christians, there's no need for them to go back to the original repentance. It is not necessary, neither is it possible. If you still try to go back to your original repentance, this means you are going back to lay the foundation again. To do this in the eyes of the Lord is to crucify the Lord again. He was crucified for you. And to your original 
first repentance, you accepted that. If now you go back to your original repentance and to do it again, this means you crucify him again. Putting him into an open shame. You shouldn't do it. If you do it, this is not right. This is a waste. This is like just an earth drenching the rain should bring forth the proper vegetation. With us, the proper vegetation is Christ. Instead, if we bring forth thorns and thistles, this will be just a waste. Eventually, these kind of Christians will be near a curse. A sinner, an unbelieving sinner, is a real curse. But such a Christian is near a curse. And the result is to be burned. This is not to be lost again. No, this earth will be not lost. And the burning is just a dealing with this earth. It is not a kind of loss for eternity. This is a hard word of righteousness. Some sugar-sweetened Christian mentality would never take this. How could a simple person be burned? How could? I don't know. But I do know he will be burned. And I do know this is not to get lost because I have 1 Corinthians 3, 14. It says clearly, when your work, like wood in a stubble, will be burned, you yourself shall be saved. Saved yet as through fire. That is to burned. This is not the word of grace, neither the word of life, neither the good word. Surely this is a sobering word, and this is the solemn word, the word of righteousness. Gary, this is a very controversial and misunderstood portion of Scripture. Could you give us your thoughts on this meaningful passage from God's word? Yes, Matt, I really um, appreciate this review of this portion. Many have misunderstood it, understood that somehow this affects our eternal security. But the admonition of the word here is, first of all, that we need to go on to maturity. And that word has to continue to ring in our ears. Let's go on to maturity. Amen. There are some who take this word because of their doctrinal persuasion as a kind of indication that we can lose our salvation and then we need to get it back again. We need to start over. But the message here is not start over. The message here is you've already begun. Don't try to start over. There's no need. It's impossible and it doesn't work anyway. Rather, You've fallen, you've failed, but just go on in faith. Then there's a second group of people who have their particular doctrinal persuasion that 
once I'm saved, I'm eternally saved regardless of what I do. And there is a clear teaching in the Word that this is a divinely established fact. Once you're born of God, you cannot die. You've already died in Christ. You're in resurrection, and you cannot die again. Those who hold this view interpret the portion here as an unbeliever, an unsaved person, but clearly you cannot say that a person who has been enlightened, partaken of the Holy Spirit, tasted the Word of God, is not saved. Mm -hmm. Surely he is saved. So the understanding of this portion of the Word is critical to our vision of God's economy and our going on. God has a purpose in this universe. He wants to build up a people for his inheritance, a corporate people who are perfected in faith, established in the Word of God, joined with the Lord for the carrying out of his building work. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 15, I think is very helpful to our grasp of what the meaning of the Hebrews 6, 7, and 8 is. Let me just read this portion. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's cultivated land, God's building. According to the grace given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid a foundation, and another builds upon it. But let each man take heed how he builds upon it. For another foundation no one is able to lay, besides that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. But if anyone builds upon the foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, grass, stubble, the work of each will become manifest, for the day will declare it, because it is revealed by fire, and the fire itself will prove each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built upon the foundation remains, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is consumed, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. So we have here a clear understanding that the burning here is not perdition. The burning here is based upon our works. And this word near a curse that was brought out is very important. It is not he is cursed, but he is near a curse. So the fire will consume all that we produce because it's worthless. But the person himself will be saved, yet so is through fire. Instead of reward, there will be a loss. But he is not cursed into perdition. This is a clear revelation of the Bible that our salvation is based absolutely on our faith in the shed blood of Christ as our Redeemer. This is eternally fixed. I am redeemed. Yet this redemption is with a view to bringing me into oneness with Christ that we could be brought on to maturity for his purpose. Amen. We have a very short Encouraging word in this final section from Witness Lee concerning verse 18 of chapter 6. In order that by two unchangeable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, 
we may have strong encouragement, we who have fled for refuge, to lay hold of the hope set before us. An encouraging word. Here's Witness Lee. In the New Testament, it does tell you to flee into a refuge. We are the fleeing people. Flee from what? Flee from the world. Flee from Judaism. And flee from yourself. And flee from the department stores. And flee from the tide of today's cars. Just flee. Flee from religion. Free from your old concept. Free from all kinds of traditions. Free! Anything that keeps you away from Christ, anything that holds you back from Christ, free! The Greek word implies this fleeing is for a safeguard. Flee for a safeguard. So the translators added for refuge. Hebrew Christians, you need to flee. You are in a very dangerous situation. You need to flee. Flee your dangerous situation for a safeguard. And according to the context, no doubt the writer wrote this with a kind of a picture that we all are on a stormy sea because he uses the word anchor to likens all of us as on a boat sailing on the stormy sea. So there is the need of an anchor. And no doubt this safeguard would be the haven, a good haven. Now we are on the stormy sea. Where is the good haven? First of all, we all have to see our good haven is our spirit. And secondly, we have to see our good haven is the church life. And thirdly, we have to say our good haven is the heavenlies where the Lord Jesus is in the holiest of all. I have never seen that in the New Testament it tells us we have to flee whatever situation we are in. I do look to the Lord that I may have the utterance. I tell you, whatever situation you are in, that is a stormy sea. Are you rich? Your riches are a stormy sea. Are you poor? Your poverty is a stormy sea. Whatever situation you are in, that is a stormy sea. The writer includes himself. He says, we have fled. Then he tells us Jesus is not just the captain of our salvation. He's foreigner. He has fled quickly. So he became the foreigner. He fled everything. He fled into the veil. That is the presence, the second glory of God. Jesus fled everything to enter into the presence and second glory of God. Amen. The real river crossing Amen. is this fleeing. 
If you don't flee, I am a little concerned that you would not cross the river. The real river crossing is the fleeing. Gary, there's not much teaching here, just a strong encouragement to flee everything that holds us back from Christ and flee into a refuge, a refuge in our spirit and in the church life and in the heavenlies where the captain of our salvation is today. Gary, what does it mean to flee? The Greek word here indicates an intensity in our fleeing. It's to flee away. It's to seek safety in flight. Or it's to escape safely into a refuge. We're in danger. Every situation we're in is a dangerous situation. And we're in danger from ourselves. We're in danger from the world. We're in danger from the satanic operation. We're in danger in every instance that we're living in. Our flesh is dangerous, can bring us into darkness and death. Our self distracts us completely from Christ and brings us into a kind of darkness within ourselves. Then the world, the whole world lies under the evil one. Everything around us is designed to rob us of God and to rob God of our portion. So we need to flee. But where should we flee? Here we're told in a very good way, the refuge, the place of safety is our spirit. The place of safety is the church of God. The place of safety is with Christ in the heavenlies. So we are given such a promise confirmed by an oath. And this becomes an anchor for our soul. Our soul is tossed and turned in every direction. But this becomes an anchor. In the stormy sea, we have an anchor firmly fixed within the veil that indicates we go with Christ into the holy of holies, into the intimate fellowship with God. What an anchor. What a place. We flee into Christ. Gary, it was nice to end this portion with such an encouraging and attracting word to us. There's these warnings and a bit of heaviness throughout this book, but all the way through are these kinds of callings from our wonderful Savior Christ to come on, come forward, flee, and take refuge. Thank you for your fellowship today. Amen. Before we go, let me remind you that you can call our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. We love to hear from you. When you send your email, you can send it to radio at lsm.org. We'll continue with the Life Study of Hebrews in our next program. For Gary Kaiser, I'm Matt Miller. Thank you for listening today. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Whether you're hearing this program via radio, online, or as a podcast, you'll find hundreds of audio studies just like this one by visiting our website, lsmradio.com. We also hope you'll email us with your questions or comments, radio at lsm.com. 
www.ltlifestudy.org or call us toll free 1-888-LIFE-STUDY that's 888-543-3788 thanks for listening